0: Welcome to a Why Is This News edition of the Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com, your SB Nation blog covering all things Ohio State Athletics, 24 7 My name is Matt Tammanini and I am joined today by one of our land grant contributors and editor emeritus. Is that what we're going with for your title, Alexis? Yeah, I mean, I like it. Sounds good. Yeah, you still do stuff there. Uh, yeah. That is the voice of the lovely Buckeye herself, Bleeding Green Nation's Alexis Chasen. Uh, Alexis, we have one game in the book. I think it went well last week. Anytime you put up 77 points, that's good in college football. Anytime you give up 31, though, especially to Oregon State, maybe less good?
1: Yeah, maybe not as good. I mean, there were definitely a lot of things to be excited about. I mean, things that we all probably expected, but it was good to actually see, you know, like Dwayne Haskins having a cannon of an arm, getting the ball just so many different receivers like there were so many big plays he really you know spread the wealth so all that was yay but like you said having oregon state score and score the way they did like that big play um you know the big play breakouts it was just not okay
0: yeah the vast majority of their yards were chunk plays that came on seven different plays that's obviously something that the ohio state team is going to need to look to correct not only as they take on Rutgers this weekend, but TCU the following weekend, and then uh, against Penn State on the, uh, the the 29th of September, which will be uh, quite the challenge up in Happy Valley, but something they will need to get fixed if they want to make the run that I think they would like to. Throughout the past week, especially during the press conference on Mondays, and then some of the media availability since, the coaches always said that... The biggest improvement that you're going to see, especially in young players, is between games one and two. They've obviously identified some of the issues that need to be fixed, and hopefully they will fix those for this weekend. But one thing that might help in getting some things changed for this coming game, Alexis, is the fact that Urban Meyer was back at practice this week. Today, Friday, is the last day he can work with him. At midnight, apparently, is when his uh, ability to interact with the team is done. But today will be his last chance to work with the team. But everybody said that it felt like normal. felt like he hadn't missed a beat. He was well prepared. What do you think about what we could expect the impact of having someone like Urban Meyer back for practice during the week, but not for the games on Saturdays?
1: Yeah, I think having him back adds a little bit of normalcy to the team, which probably grounds them a little bit. Uh, I don't remember which player it was, but he said, you know, you're standing in the locker room and you look to your left and you're like, oh yeah, that's Urban Meyer. He's the guy. Like, <laughs> he's Urban Meyer. It, it You know, it brings a little, I don't know, a sense of calm, I think, around the building. I think they probably feel a little more confident heading into tomorrow because they really have been able to get his input and... You know, he's been able to help mold what he wants to see and fix what was seen last week. So I think they definitely improve a little bit.
0: Yeah, he's he's one of the best coaches of this or any generation for a reason. So you'd have to imagine that him being there throughout the week of practice had to have some sort of positive impact. I don't know that it's necessarily going to be a make or break type thing for the Rutgers game, but I think having him there, getting some things fixed, adding an extra set of eyes where... Yeah, I mean there's plenty of coaches. He when he was gone, there was a coach who stepped up from like the support staff to kind of fill that extra eleventh coach's spot, but you know, no one on that staff is Urban Meyer.
1: Well, and I think that it could definitely affect how Rutgers attacks the situation because, you know, Chris Ash isn't going to be intimidated by Urban Meyer on the opposing sideline. He's got Ryan Day, who, while is probably still running everything Urban Meyer would do, you know, it's that perception that, you know, oh, this is a new coach. I can try something cute. I don't think he'll necessarily get away with it, but I think Chris Ash might be a little, um, you know, cuter than he would be if Urban Meyer was on the sideline.
0: I think it could go the other way, though. I mean, he knows Urban Meyer really well, having coached for him. Ryan Day uh, and and Chris Ash did not overlap in their times in Columbus. So it could be interesting to see if maybe an advantage or an insight that he might have had into Urban Meyer's play calling. Uh, won't be there if he's up against uh, Ryan Day. But we didn't get a ton of information on Urban Meyer's involvement in practice this week, so we're just going to leave that as speculative. We uh, can only imagine what it'll be like. I think it'll be interesting to see not only this week, but specifically against TCU, if there's anything extra added that we might not have seen in the first two games, because all due respect to Oregon State and Rutgers, they're not on the same level as TCU. So I, I'm interested to see if Urban Meyer or Ryan Day or anybody else on the staff brings something new to the table that perhaps they were holding back in through th- those first two games that didn't present quite the challenge that the Horned Frogs will.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to see if TCU is in the same league as TCU still this season, (laughs) you know, I feel like they really came up quick a few years back and they've been super solid, but you know, as you start losing some of those more senior players, um, I'll be interested to do a little more research, you know, when we finally get to TCU week and uh, I know I'm focused on Rutgers, but (laughs) it'll just be interesting to see if, you know, if they're going to be the same competition that, they were supposed to be when we scheduled them.
0: Yeah. All right, so let's look at some of the injury reports for both Ohio State and Rutgers as we go into this weekend as you're prepared. One of the guys that a lot of Ohio State fans are especially excited about is linebacker Tuff Borland, he hurt his Achilles in spring practice and a lot of people kind of expected him to be out for the majority of the 2018 season. However, he did play in the season opener against Oregon State. He played a total of 10 plays and Obviously, the game was a blowout, despite how many points Oregon State put up. But in the press conference on Monday, Greg Schiano did confirm that Tuff Borland was on what Schiano called a pitch count. So he only played those 10 plays. However, he will have more plays added to that pitch count for the Rutgers game. And I would not be surprised if we see him full go against TCU. Uh, Shiano did say that they'll consult with the training staff. Tough is getting tough it's just weird to call a grown human tough (laughs) like that's weird to me um Borland is getting treatment throughout the week but the way that they're ramping him up I would not I'm not gonna say I expect him to be starting and playing 60 plays uh, against TCU but I would not be surprised if they're working up to that at the latest for Penn State assuming and hopefully knock on wood nothing goes wrong in the meantime
1: I can't believe he even played 10 plays last week, like just how big of an injury that is and how quick to come back. Like, I think it's amazing that they have these couple of games to sort of ease his body back into things, let his muscles sort of regain that trust, um, you know, to make those quick decisions and quick moves. I think, you know, it'll be a great way to prevent any additional injuries after this.
0: I think it's safe to say that he's really tough. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's very safe to say that.
0: <laughs> uh, another guy who uh, was injured and was expected to be a starter coming into this season but didn't get to play against Oregon State was Jordan Fuller. He was listed on the depth chart as the starting safety coming into game one. However, you know, not long, half an hour at most before game time, we started to hear that he might not be playing against the Beavers. And in fact, he did not. According to the coaches on Monday, it was a game time decision. And it likely will be the same this week. However, he was, again, listed on the two deep as the starter. So hopefully if Jordan Fuller is back anchoring the back half of the defense, he will be able to kind of shore up some of those problems that the the back seven had in allowing those chunk plays. So uh, Jordan Fuller. Again, wait and see. And finally, in the injury report for Ohio State, a little sad update we saw via Instagram that Brandon Bowen will be undergoing surgery. In fact, by, he underwent surgery. His third surgery after breaking his tibia and fibula or f- tibula and fibia. I can't remember which is which. <laughs> um, fibula and tibia last year in the Maryland game. And uh, they talked about him at the press conference earlier this week and just saying it's taking a little longer for him to recover. A few days later, he's having surgery. However, earlier in the week, Alexis, as you know quite well, he announced that he and his fiance are expecting a child in in March. So uh, bad news on the leg. Good news on the addition to the family.
1: Buckeye baby. I'm so excited. Him and Johnny Dixon. You know, we got to take the positive (laughs) in this. And that's really exciting but I'm really sad to see him having to go under the knife again for his third surgery but yeah, um, you know if he has lingering pain which I guess was the problem you know he had two options get get another surgery or play through it and I just don't think playing through it is ever the right decision you know you have to sort of think about your body long term and I always respect these guys when they make that decision I know it's so tough because you just want to be back on the field so, Uh, You know, that wasn't an easy choice.
0: No, not at all. Um, And real quick, from the Rutgers point of view, we are recording just after 8 o'clock on Thursday night, and our friends over at On The Banks, uh, SB Nation's Rutgers site, just sent me over an article, and it looks like... Up to three starting defensive backs for the Scarlet Knights could be out on Saturday, which is very good news for Dwayne Haskins, as if he needed more good news. The first one is their star cornerback, Blession Austin. He is inactive for the game this weekend. He did not play in the season opening win over Texas State. He tore his ACL last year and apparently is not back 100%. And then they are also having reports out of New Jersey that Trey Avery and Kai Hester are going to be game time decisions, which should certainly allow the Ohio State passing game to kind of carve up the uh, the defense from there. True freshman Avery Young uh, played in Austin's uh, stead on, against Texas State and looked pretty good for a true freshman replacing a starter uh, in his very first collegiate game. So uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, Good luck to the Scarlet Knight defense. If you don't have any of your starting cornerbacks and, and DBs when it comes to Dwayne Haskins and the 97 passing options that he has, but you know, man,
1: now do I have to like reevaluate my my prediction I know. for the We've weekend? Got, I know. <laughs>
0: It's a little we'll get to predictions, but uh, but, you know, early in the season, you're going to have things like this as we see it so much in the NFL. And Alexis, I know you know this uh, probably even better than I do because of the way that the collective bargaining agreement in the NFL has changed over recent years in the last uh, CBA. Players don't hit as much in in fall camp for both NFL okay. and college, so their bodies are not acclimated to the wear and tear that they're going to take in a game. So whether that's something like, you know, getting an injury early in the first couple games, or someone like Jordan Fuller, where you're just not a hundred percent to come back after having an injury you're not used to getting those those hits you see a lot of injuries early in the season that we might not have seen in years past so um, of course we wish both on both sides everybody quick recoveries but it definitely will have an impact probably more so for rutgers than it will for ohio state
1: yeah that's gonna be uh that could be a long afternoon for them with you know all the amazing receivers we have too
0: yeah. So real quick, uh, I did a reciprocal Q&A with uh, the folks at on the banks and answered some questions about Ohio State. They answered some questions uh, about the Scarlet Knights. And basically what it comes down to, you're going to be looking at two players on the Rutgers offense. They're going to do most of the heavy lifting for them uh, if they're going to have any chance of competing with Ohio State in terms of putting up points. Rutgers quarterback is, is a true freshman. His name is Arthur. It's not Arthur. There's no H it's Arter, uh, Arter Sikowski. He is a true freshman who originally committed to the U and then said, nah, man, I don't want to play in Miami. I want to play in Piscataway. And uh, in, in November, uh, October, November of 2017, he flipped to Rutgers. Now I can understand that if you're going to Miami, Yes, as someone who lives in Florida, I can tell you, weather, much better than New Jersey. But he's starting as a freshman at a Big Ten school in the largest media market in the country. So not a bad thing, necessarily, although, the although, I guess, after seeing Miami play uh, in week one, maybe Rutgers could compete with Miami on the field. Uh, <laughs> but... Sikowski had a pretty good first game. He went 20 for 30 for 205 yards. He did throw three interceptions, but he had a touchdown. Uh, The folks out in New Jersey were fairly happy with his performance in his first game, Uh, again, against Texas State, but not bad. You go 20 for 30, yeah, you throw three interceptions, but you're pretty consistent. Ten yards of completion, not terrible for a guy who you know, six months ago, was still in high school.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a good sign for Rucker's future offense. You know, it's still pretty early for him now, especially, you know, in his second game to go against Ohio State. But uh, there's definitely a lot of room for development that could actually give them an offense.
0: (laughs) That's important. We laugh because over the last two seasons, Ohio State has combined in those two games to outscore the Scarlet Knights 114-0. to Oh, they, have not, they have not scored against Ohio State, a team they have played for four consecutive years since 2015. If someone is going to break through that, it is probably going to be running back Raheem Blackshear. He uh, is a multi-purpose guy. He touches the ball as often as possible for the Scarlet Knights. Their coaching staff has said he is the best player on the team. Against Texas State, he rushed the ball 12 times for 62 yards and a touchdown. He caught the ball seven times for 56 yards and a touchdown for a total of 118 yards from scrimmage. He also had 33 yards in kick returns. He only had one punt return for negative one yard, so I'm sure it was just a catch and fall kind of thing. Uh, but he's a the guy they're going to look to get the ball in his hands as much as humanly possible. So based off what we saw Against Oregon State, he is a guy that can catch it coming out of the backfield. He is a guy that they could screen it to. They're going to look to get him in space. I don't know that Ohio State's linebacker is going to be able to cover him one-on-one if they come out of the backfield, so they're going to need to figure out a way to cover him while still getting some pressure on the quarterback, on Sitkowski. He is going to try to get rid of the ball very quickly, Alexis, so if he does, dumping it to this running back who is electric is probably the best way to try to carve up the Ohio State defense.
1: Are you saying it's going to be tough for tough to get him?
0: I am in no way, shape, or form saying that. <laughs> I would not do that, and I'm offended that you did.
1: <laughs> I felt like I had to. I'm not even sorry about it.
0: No. Yeah, it's, it's a hard knock life. So, All right, so uh, Alexis, what is going on for the Ohio State teams that do not play football?
1: Yeah, so there's a lot going on this weekend. I'm excited that, uh, you know, non-rev sports are back as well. Sports across all platforms. So women's volleyball is on the road for most of the weekend. They play Princeton Friday at 4, and then Missouri Saturday morning and Towson Saturday afternoon. Men's soccer plays South Florida uh, at home Friday night at 7.30. And then the men's cross-country team is running on Saturday At 1030 in the Golden Eagle Invitational in Cookville, Tennessee. So there's definitely a lot of uh, fall sports happening. And it's, you know, school's back in session. Fall sports are going on. It's a good time to be alive.
0: Yes. I mean, it's better than the alternative.
1: (laughs) This is true. No sports.
0: Or dead. (laughs)
1: Well, that too. Yeah.
0: (laughs) All right. So, uh, Alexis, let's get to our predictions. You mentioned it earlier. Because of the deficiency at DB for the Scarlet Knights, do you want to change your prediction? What are you going with here?
1: (sighs) I'll stay with my prediction. I do think that Rutgers is going to score their first points on the Buckeyes in several years. So I'm going to go with 68 to 10. I think Chris Ash might be a little better suited to stop Dwayne Haskins a little, even with so many starters out um, just because of his experience as a coach and, you know, against the Buckeyes. Uh, So 68, 10, it's still going to be a stomping.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I'm hesitating here with the news that we got about the DBs, but I'm going to go with 56 to 17. I wonder if this might be the time that we See Chris Chuganov in the game at some point. Ooh. Uh, the Ryan Day was very complimentary about how quickly he is picking up the playbook since he's been there for all of 17 hours and, uh, you know, barely <laughs> even knows where the locker rooms are. But he ha- was pretty complimentary about him getting in there. And I'm saying it again as soon as somebody other than Tate Martell is ready, I think they're the backup quarterback. Um, Just reading the way that Ryan Day talked about this situation, I I just don't see Tate Martell being somebody to play quarterback in this offense. Not saying he can't play quarterback, but when you're trying to replace and sub in for Dwayne Haskins, it takes a monumental change in focus for the offense to adjust itself for Tate Martell. So I don't know that I would expect to see Chuganov in the game in the second quarter, like Tate Martel did in game one. But if it gets to be out of hand, like either of our scores are, I wouldn't be surprised to see him getting some snaps with somebody, even if it's the second team or the third team late in the third, maybe early in the fourth, maybe late in the fourth quarter. I would not be surprised if we see a little chugging off at some point, even if it's just to hand off and get some experience in the shoe. So, Alexis, you're 68 10. I'm 56 17. Hmm. I'm not sure. Did you hear my Alexa go off because I I said your name? (laughs) Damn it, Janet. Okay. But you're 68-10, I'm 56-17. Both of those scores make it sound like there will be a fun game for Ohio State fans. And to me, that was the biggest takeaway from the Oregon State game, Alexis, is that this team is fun to watch. I wrote something, I don't remember when it came out earlier this week, about how I have loved... All of the winning that Jim Trestle and Urban Meyer have brought to this football program, especially because I'm old enough to remember a lot of the John Cooper era where there was winning, but not in the games that mattered. So I have been very happy with all of the Big Ten titles, the two national titles, uh, all of those things that Jim Trestle and Urban Meyer have brought. But when it just comes down to watching the games, A lot of them were painful and tedious and frustrating. Oh, you mean
1: running up the middle like 85 times in a game and doing nothing else wasn't super fun?
0: Yeah, and make in games, especially with Trestle, that there had no business being close, like seven point games against Illinois. Mm -hmm. Like, really? Do we really need to lose to Illinois again? But yeah, but this team and I understand that it's a small sample size. It's one game and the same similar thing happened with JT Barrett against uh, Bowling Green in 2016. So I know that I'm probably way over my skis in saying this. But it just feels like this team is a different kind of team. It's fun. They're passing. Dwayne Haskins looked incredible throwing the ball. And you mentioned his arm. And, yes, fantastic arm. He, I mean, it had so much zip, even though he wasn't throwing it deep. But the thing that impressed me the most about the passing game was was the fact that he was able to actually lead receivers and they didn't have to always turn around and catch it from, you know, the ball behind Uh them or go up and get it. They were actually able to catch it in stride and continue running, which is something that I don't feel like we've seen during the Urban Meyer era. No offense to Braxton or JT, that's not their skill, but Haskins was able to lead receivers and they were catching it with their hands they were not catching it with their body and their arms. They were actually catching the ball with their hands tucking and running. It it looked like a completely different offense and it looked like a fun offense, Alexis. I
1: just I think when the guys are having fun, it just adds such a different level to what they're able to do. I will say last season I said that the Philadelphia Eagles team felt like the you know, inaugural winning college football playoff Buckeyes. Like, you know, that year's team just felt special. It felt different. They had a great time together. They were good friends. Um, and that's the same kind of vibe I'm getting from the Buckeyes this season too, that it sort of doesn't matter what's happening, you know, with all the coaches, like the guys are dialed in, they're dialed in together. They want to fight and, but they're also going to have a really fun time. They're playing football with their friends. That's what it should be fun. And if they make it fun, I think it'll be really exciting.
0: So you heard it here first on the September seventh edition of the Hangout in the Holy Land, Alexis Chasen has said the Ohio State Buckeyes will win the national championship this year. Mark called it down. Go into Vegas or New Jersey or <laughs> Delaware or whoever the else has whoever the hell else has uh, sports gambling. Put some money on it. Alexis called it. Uh, if it's the happens,
1: vibe. It's all about the vibe.
0: Yeah, I mean, forget the fact that Alabama's a juggernaut or Clemson's really good, Ohio State has the vibe. That's all that matters.
1: That's okay. Just ask Saban who his quarterback is 18 times before the game. He'll be so shook he won't score anything.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm kind of over that. Not just with him. Like I, I love Pop. I-, I love Greg Popovich. I think we might have even talked about this before, Alexis. Like I'm just a little over the the a hole coach like purposely being a jerk to everybody whether it's media members or you know I, well, it's mostly media members because that's the only people that coaches interact with but it's just like okay i get it you're a curmudgeon and all you care about is winning next question onto the Bengals. i get it but it's, it's but like good. if i don't
1: ask you this question i'm going to get fired so i'm still yes, going to ask you job. sorry it pisses you off and
0: don't, get, and don't get mad at them. They're not the ones signing the TV contracts. It's the league or the, the conference or whatever, signing these TV deals that add in these interviews as part of that. And it helps pay your contract. This is literally something that makes you extra millions of dollars. But that's whatever. why
1: Marshawn Lynch was the best. Like he didn't want to talk to the media. He was going to take fines for not talking to the media. And that was just, you know, fine.
0: I'm just here so I don't get fined. Exactly. Uh, Yeah. So, either way, I'm glad that uh, that that's another thing that I've really appreciated about Ryan Day is that he doesn't seem like he's super geeked to be talking to the media, but he doesn't seem to like try to make it as difficult as everybody else in college football seems to either.
1: No, I think he understands. You know, everybody has a job to do. Buckeye fans want to hear about what's going on. You know, this is one of the most devoted uh, fan bases in the country. So you, you can't give them nothing. And you also can't give them coach speak because they'll call you out on it. So I definitely respect the job he's doing and taking that role.
0: I also respect the fact that he threw 77 points up against Oregon state. So.
1: <laughs> well, anyway. you know, you can't hate that. No. And you punted once.
0: I punted once as Jim, or as Jim Trestle, as urban Meyer reminded him. So you only had to put once, huh? Yeah. That's, that's good. No, not bad. I mean, and, uh, and Drew Chrisman let out an absolute bomb, a 60-yard punt. I, you know, If you're only going to get the punt once, might as well make it count. Yep, that's the way to do it. Okay, thank you for listening to The Hangout in the Holy Land. You can find all episodes of the podcast on LandGrantHolyLand.com, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your daily dose of podcast goodness. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Matt. You can follow Alexis at Lovely Buckeye. You can follow the site at LandGrant33 on Twitter and at Land on Instagram and Facebook. Enjoy the game this weekend, everybody. And of course, go Bucks. Go Bucks!